interested in the ops perspective on an eight-figure fashion brand, then keep listening. It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome. It's great to have you here. We've had another lovely review come in on Apple Podcasts, which means I get to give one of you a name check, which is always a great pleasure for me. This one has actually come in from our recent guest and listener, Charis from Style Swim. She says, great podcast with excellent insights. I'm absolutely hooked. Chloe is engaging, intelligent and asks the hard stuff that makes people think. I very much enjoy as it's easy listening and high value content. Thanks again, Chloe. Well, thank you, Charis. It is awesome when our guests are also listeners. It's also awesome when you put such lovely things on Apple podcast for us. In today's episode, we are revisiting the story of a past guest. Yes, I've been looking back through our past episodes to find a few guests I just love to catch up with again and find out what's been going on with. We first chatted to Mark from Needle and Thread just before the pandemic hit in March 2020, episode 262 if you want to have a listen to that one, when we chatted about their move from Magento to Shopify Plus, about their overseas growth, customer service and celebrity appeal. I'm really looking forward to finding out about how they survived the pandemic, lessons learned from it and their increased focus on sustainability. All that and more is coming up in a moment. Make sure you listen to the end of the episode so you don't miss out on my guests' top tips and my own take on this episode. Getting an online business off the ground is not easy. So if you find yourself working late, tackling a to-do list that's a mile long with your fifth cup of coffee by your side, remember, great email doesn't have to be complicated. That's what Klaviyo is for. It's the email and SMS platform built to help e-commerce brands earn more money by creating genuine customer relationships. Once you set up a free Klaviyo account, you can start sending beautiful branded messages in minutes, thanks to drag and drop design templates and built-in guidance. And with e-commerce specific recommendations and insights, you can keep growing your business as you go. Get started with a free account at klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan. And now to introduce today's special guest. Mark Liddington is the Chief Operating Officer at Needle and Thread, a fashion retailer selling via their own Shopify Plus website from the UK to the world. They also sell through outlets such as Selfridges, Harrods, Zalando and more. Needle and Thread launched in 2013, e-commerce sales doubled during the pandemic and they're on track for over 20 million in sales through all channels this year. Hello, Mark. Chloe, nice to see you again. How are you? Everything okay? I'm good. It is a pleasure to be catching up with you. Um, our last recording was literally about three weeks before lockdown. So I'm guessing quite a bit happened since. What's been going on? <laughs> well, I, I'm 
definitely older. I'm hopefully a little bit wiser. And um, I think my understanding of the business and, and what the, the key drivers of it have certainly been either reinforced or uh, or revitalized during that period. But yeah, no, we're doing okay. Look, I think like anybody who got through the last couple of years mentally, physically, and, and financially from a business perspective intact is, is going to is going to have it should be positive or at least should be moving towards a degree of positivity and you mentioned some lessons learned let's dive straight into that because i think we're now sufficiently out of the major lockdown period that we've all had time to kind of reassess and and look back and reflect what did you find were the key lessons for the business during that time I think the first one, which you try and do as a business anyway, is to challenge the first assumptions of your business. So, you know, the, the world changes, the market changes, your customer changes over time. And therefore, your assumptions around what you need to do in order to connect with that customer, to, to provide the right service or product for that customer need to change. But obviously, when the pandemic comes up, we, you get the opportunity, should we call it, to rip those assumptions apart because you have to. And you, and you have to say, right, what, what is the world now? What, what is the world that we're dealing with? What is the customer requirement from us? Um, so I think I think that was something which um, we'd always tried to do, but but definitely had a had a ground up approach to it at the very start of the pandemic. I think. What else did I, what else did I learn? So I, I mean, I come from a twenty-year finance career. I've been with the business now for four and a bit years. Um, so therefore, I was kind of a newbie, and I think that brings some benefits to a new organisation from a different industry. Not always, you know, people are not always likely to give you a chance to move from something like finance to something like fashion. But when I came to Needland Thread originally, my concept of brand was somewhat limited. You know, I thought of Nike and I thought of, you know, Goldman Sachs and UBS and Deutsche Bank. And I thought of PwC and KPMG and all these sort of big brands, you know, car companies, that sort of thing. But I didn't I didn't understand how you get from from small to large, how you, how you scale a brand. And I don't mean a scale a brand in terms of the operational piece or the product or the or the distribution or, or those things. I, I mean, in terms of how do you build a brand from a small, you know, network of, of customers to a much larger a much larger distribution model and and what does it take to actually build that brand and, I, and I'm, I'm not sure I'm a hundred percent clear but I'm a lot clearer than I was when I joined the business and certainly pre-pandemic and the importance of brand and everything it brings to you your product and your brand are everything and, and I could would have said that when we spoke a few years back but the belief in it is 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 phenomenally higher than it was before and the proof of it is is is, is definitely there. Well, because, I mean, Mark, correct me if I'm wrong here, but my assumption is that your needle and thread customers are not buying your products to wear while sitting on the sofa. So for them to be spending with you whilst all they're allowed to do is sit on the sofa, they have to think about you as more than just a solution to a problem. You're something they want, something that makes them feel more them, I suppose, which would be brand. And in in an environment with so much, so yes, and thank you. I, I think that's that's true. And I think also in terms of in terms of when you're in an environment where there's a very limited opportunity set, there's a limited use case for our product, a much more limited use case for our product than there was previously, then you're still in competition with everybody else who does the same kind of thing, right? You know, who who is trying to get in front of that customer for the same use case. And in order to rise to the top of the customer's mind 
at that moment when they've only got one when you may only have one event to go to may when you may only have one party or celebration to to go through to be the person to be the the brand that they come to is is hugely rewarding and i think and i think a huge um accolade from our customers and 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 really just hopefully pays off some of the hard work but really the product you know it's it's kind of if you've only got one dress what are you going to what are you going to buy and and for a lot of customers that was a needle and thread dress so yeah I think the challenge, you know, when we went into lockdown, I, you know, I remember closing the office and, and we had a, li- a line of Ubers out front with people just shoving desktops and screens into the back of it. And you sort of, sort of waved them off and said, you know, best of luck, we'll see you when we see you. And at that point, you know, a lot of people said, oh, it's a couple of weeks or a couple of months or something else. And we had no idea quite how long it was going to be. So so I think that, I think, yeah, I think, I think that trying to be at the front of mind for your customers, hoping that you'll be there and hoping to be the the choice for those customers who've been loyal during the good times and, and still come back to you during more challenging times. And obviously you're the COO, you're the chief operating officer, not the chief marketing officer or the chief product officer. So for you, as we've come out of the pandemic, how are you doubling down on that newfound knowledge of the importance of product quality and the importance of brand? How does that come into the ops arena? So, I mean, in a, in a few different ways. I mean, we're not we're not a huge business, right? We have 50 people in head office. We've got a team of 35 in India. So, so if if you think about why our product is 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 amazing, part of that is because we've got an it, in India office, which basically goes out to the factories and supply chain and make sure that everything is is perfect right? as much as it can be. A lot of our products is very you know artisan, so a lot of the sequins are put on by hand. They're 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 beading masters who have been doing this for you know through generations of, of their families that sort of thing. So so that that commitment to, to quality is important and that feeds through into the operational piece. Then how you handle goods, our stuff is is relatively delicate. It's not. You know, it's not, you know, it's not to fall apart when you wear it, obviously, but essentially it is quite delicate and it is, it does need to be looked after. So how we handle goods, how we ship goods, how we, you know, move them from A to B, which is a huge logistical challenge, um, is quite important. Also, you know, who you trust with your pick and pack. We outsourced during the pandemic because it was becoming so difficult for us. So, you know, we moved to a 3PL provider. So who you trust with that because the product is very difficult to make and and you want it to be cherished is is key a key part of it. But again, in a business of 50 people in head office, we're all involved in it. I mean, I'm, I take no credit at all for whatsoever for the product being incredibly beautiful and incredibly well made you know my ability to differentiate between different colors is is limited right so therefore i keep out (laughs) of that but in essence you know when we when we talk to the design teams when we talk to the production teams you know we all talk about margin it's not margin is not a finance function margin is a function for everybody like you know how much we make what's the value proposition for the customer we know how much do we how much do we think is the right price for it because it's really important for us that you know and hannah when she set up the brand in 2013 she wanted to be she wanted to be accessible we're not fast fashion we're not super cheap we pay our providers we pay our suppliers fairly and and you know reasonably we we use quality you know and we use responsibly sourced and and quality um, materials um as far as is possible so you know we're not cheap but at the same time you know hannah wanted it to be accessible so we pushed down on on our you know, retail prices as much as we can and you know through that if you think about the evolution of the product at the start of the pandemic we went up to a uk size 18 by next month of the month after we'll be doing a uk size 24 
So again, it, wow. which is which is one, it's in, it's inclusive. You know, we want to. Hannah wants to dress everybody, and you know, therefore be more available across um, a spectrum of different customers. But also for us, you know, the data which we gather through ecom shows that there's an opportunity for us to do so as well. So the two sort of combine together. I like that. So basically, every element. How can the ops team and the operations side of it make? the most of the work the other departments are doing, I suppose. And you mentioned that you've you outsourced uh, the 3PL during the pandemic. Have you kept that outsourced, the pick and pack, yeah. or is that now back in No, no, it's staying outside. I, th- I think I think for us, and, and a lot of businesses go through the same, there's different pinch points in different parts of your, you know, either production supply chain, um, operational distribution set up. And once you've outsourced the 3PL, you won't you won't pull it back in like i i don't think you know i'm not, I'm not heard of people who do it just gives you the ability to scale and it's very difficult i mean if you think for us we took over more space within our our own office in order to do pick and pack because we had to socially distance everybody if there were any cases they needed to be you know far enough away from anybody else that we didn't have to send the whole team home etc cetera, etc cetera. and it was it was a real challenge and i think you know outsourcing that part of the challenge you know trying to look at it and say is is um pick and pack where we want to excel as a business no we want to focus on product we want to focus on analytics we want to focus on you know providing good customer service so the customer service still sits with us because we want to make sure that we own that messaging but but the actual pick and pack other people do it better so we so we outsourced and we will stay outsourced yeah i I, like you i don't think i've ever heard of anyone bringing it back in-house and it turning out to be a good decision. I'm sure someone, someone will email me and go, Chloe, you know about these guys who did it. And it was awful. Yeah, I, think, I think there's a few examples of people who get to 150 mil, 200 mil, 300 mil, you know, and, and, and at that point, yeah, you can get your own warehouse, you can get your own teams. You want, I think once you get to like massive scale, then, then sure do it. I'm sure, you know, I'm sure um, brands have done it that way, but I think, I think, yeah, the same sort of revenue turnover level to, to outsource then, then bring it back in. It's hard enough to outsource it. You know, I wouldn't want to bring it back in. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, I was saying on another podcast episode recently that changing 3PL or changing your warehousing setup is as bigger challenges building a new website it's it's not to be taken lightly yeah we i mean not to turn this into like sort of you know logistics and 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 operational stuff but but we okay. we did it in four and a half weeks just before cyber so so that was that of of the different sort of drip points which we had and the pressure points we had through covid that was that was definitely one of them it's you know it was it was we sort of we we knew we had to do it we found somebody who'd partnered with us and we did it in four four and a half weeks and i was at the office for about a week of that so um so yeah but you know it's it's good it's it's i think i think the the truth of it is everybody tells you that when you outsource that particular function you've got to be really careful because there's a lot of unexpected things which will come up which you need to deal with and that's definitely true i think i think you still need some resource internally to make sure that you're managing your 3pl but but you know the benefits are huge and you said four weeks before cyber do you mean cyber monday black friday etc yeah exactly cool just for those who are going what's cyber i need to know what cyber is who are listening um and you mentioned as well a little earlier about the responsibly sourced range of clothes which is the the sustainability play i suppose we could call it at needle and thread and that i think is new since we last spoke i don't think you guys were that deep into it back when we chatted in 2020 so interestingly as the pandemic hit we'd launched our first collaboration um 
which was with Jasmine Hemsley, which was basically a responsibly source collection. So we'd launched it the week of UK lockdown, essentially. So not fantastic time. And we also launched kids at the same time. Yay. <laughs> and we launched we launched Knitwear six six months afterwards. So so look, we, we had we had a bit of a product um, plan which which you know got derailed slightly. Um, so yeah, so we, we'd already made a lot of the the work. So the hard work is is sourcing recycled materials. So you know getting the mills to make the fabric, 25 different iterations of fabric, um, sequins. Obviously, they need to be fully recycled. Everything needs to be um, sort of non-chemical, etc. There's, there's a huge list of those things. So we've done a lot of the work of it, and then it became absolutely impossible because you know our supply chain, 85% of it is in India. And although Europe felt the first wave of the pandemic, the subsequent, I think we all remember seeing on TV, the impact which it had in India, I mean, our factories around Delhi was just in, was you know horrific. And and watching that and, and then trying to push through and say, well, you know, we've got a slight, we've got a responsibly sourced agenda at the same time, just wasn't really an option at the time. So it took a bit of a backseat. The good thing is once you've done a lot of the hard work, you know, once you've gone through the audit process, we work with Positive Luxury who basically audit uh, a lot of what we do, but we've got a lot of in-territory auditors as well who go through and, and essentially check that that what's supposed to be happening is happening. Um, so once you've set all that up, it was pretty quick for us this year to move back to responsibly sourced. We don't use the word sustainable. I think I think it's it's difficult to put yourself on a pedestal within certainly within the fashion business and, and say, oh, you know, hey, we're sustainable by us. We don't use that term anywhere, um, understandably. But responsibly sourced for us is is you know, it's it's much more than just the product. But I think from a customer's perspective, they often focus on the product piece. And and as of last month, month before, 75% of our collections were responsibly sourced, which means that, you know, non-virgin plastics. So anything which is, you know, sort of polyester made all comes from recycled bottles or recycled plastics elsewhere. So it's, it's, it's you know, it just, it closes the loop in terms of using virgin products. And our approach, it looks like it's jumped enormously in the last couple of months, but it's, it's really three and a half years of of hard work with a small gap small hiatus during during covid in terms of implementation but it's something which you know we we haven't really shouted about it that much as yet and we don't really want to i think it's like i said it's difficult it's easy to put yourself up on a pedestal and uh, and it's easy to fall off afterwards so i think you know we want to be sure that the messaging is right that the customer understands what we have done what we can do but also what we cannot do like you know what is not going to be possible for a short term but our targets are to be 90 percent um 90 responsibly sourced um by 2024 and again it's 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 important for the customer. I think it's important for Hannah as leader of the business, as a CEO. But it's also, it's really interesting the impact it has on the team within the business and, and the amount of energy and excitement. It's a lot of work, I can tell you that much. So you need a bit of energy and excitement around it. But it, but also how, how much it galvanizes the team to, to get behind initiatives like that because they really feel like it, it's moving not just the business forward, but it's also, you know, helping out a very small part, but essentially doing what we can. Interesting you mentioned the team in that because I think, I I secretly hope we're going to start in maybe the next 6, 12, 18 months to see a lot of the 20-somethings, 30-somethings switching jobs if the company they're working for isn't doing something better for the planet. And you mentioning the team there, I'm guessing potentially this becomes a bit of a team retention strategy. It's certainly an aspect of that. I think, I think if you look at why do people want to work for you? 
you need to you need to give people reasons and and we run a center of excellence in in the business and we you know we expect we expect a lot of people work-life balance is hugely important to all of us right i've got a three and a half year old kids so, so i don't i need a bit of balance <laughs> in life but but you know for everybody so we don't we don't we're not we're not i think fashion's changed a lot but i think the old classic imprint of a fashion brand would be you'd work from seven o'clock in the morning till midnight and everyone would be like working weekends and everything we don't do that we do 8 35 38 36 but, but you know we expect a lot of people but we expect them to be focused and committed when they're here so so as one aspect of that you know what are you doing about the environment what are you what are, you know what, what steps are you taking i think also team and culture which was again was a different thing in the 80s 90s and noughties but like team and culture like what does what does that mean and that leads us into I think one of the observations which we've made over the last couple of months is that we went fully remote as as, as remote as we could. So a lot of the digital, the finance, the PR, customer care, wholesale team, they all just went at the start of COVID and worked from home. Um, the physical products of design, production, those sorts of you know, the pattern room, they all clearly had to be here. So. Um, so we kept them in. But one of the things that we've really feel like we've lost and we want to get back is a bit more presence in the office. And it's not presenteeism. There's no there's no requirement for that. I think we've proven that we can work from home. But it's just that connectivity. New hires who've barely met some of their their colleagues. And I think, you know, you can't build a business and a business which is relatively small needs people to be able to step in and help each other out because otherwise, you know, you haven't got depth. You haven't got 20 people in every department so they can share it around. You need people to be willing to step across that Chinese wall or that sort of, you know, theoretical line between departments and help each other out. And building that is is a constant piece of work and something which, which has obviously suffered during COVID. So I think to answer your question, yeah, it's definitely one aspect of it. There's a lot of others, but yeah, it's one part. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. Do you want more traffic to your online store and to increase your sales? Yoast SEO, the most used SEO tool in the world, is here to help you do just that. It's your personal coach for writing product descriptions that rank high in the search engines. And it takes care of your technical SEO automatically. With Yoast SEO installed on your Shopify or WooCommerce site, you will increase your chances on rich results, quickly optimise your meta tags and beat your competitors. I use Yoast to improve the SEO across all our websites. And you can join me now and install Yoast SEO for Shopify or WooCommerce today. Just go to ecmp.info forward slash Yoast to sign up. That's ecmp for e-commerce master plan dot info forward slash Y-O-A-S-T. So ecmp.info forward slash Y-O-A-S-T. I want to tell you about SendCloud. Today's online customers have been trained to expect flexible, frictionless shipping with every purchase from checkout all the way through to returns. SendCloud lets all of you access the same logistics power as a major online retailer. With SendCloud, you can connect to over 80 carriers and 50 integrations in seconds, process orders automatically, print labels in bulk, generate customs forms along with those labels, create branded tracking updates and set up your own hassle-free returns portal. Plus, there's all the data you need to optimise everything. 
Over 23,000 businesses already love shipping with SendCloud. Create a free or paid account now via ecmp.info forward slash SendCloud. That's ecmp for e-commerce master plan dot info forward slash SendCloud and get £50 free shipping credit for being one of our listeners. It's time for the top tips round. I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. Mark, are you ready for the top tips? Yes, very ready. Okay, the book top tip then. If everyone listening to this podcast agrees to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? So I would recommend... Pretty much any any content, to be honest, by a guy called Rory Sutherland, who I imagine you might have heard of, right? I mean, when, whenever I mean, there's a lot of different books you probably should read, but if it's Friday, you know, do something a bit more fun. And I think Rory Sutherland really takes a, a different view and expresses things in a relatively light-hearted way and takes really good quality examples, which are somewhat counterintuitive. So it's sort of best behavioral science take, which I really like. I, th- I think that how you look at things, how you understand things, how you question things, and whether or not going back to what we talked about earlier in terms of assumptions, your assumptions of why something works or why something is good are correct. Anyway, you start with the YouTube stuff and social media because there's quite a bit on there. I think he was on that Diary of a CEO, the Stephen, that podcast as well recently. So, so he's pretty good. He's pretty lighthearted. But watch the YouTube content and get the book if you like it. Excellent. I like that. YouTube first, book second. Uh, properly light learning Friday there. Okay, the traffic top tip. Which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? So, sort of traffic marketing tip. I think I think my first tip would be don't take advice from people like me about what, how to grow your business. <laughs> the reason the reason I say that is because I you know I'm fortunate enough to talk to people across um, different brands, different businesses, and even even brands which are relatively similar. No one really does what we do. I say, but the drivers for growth are very different. It can be very different for them. So, so look, I mean, I, I'm not going to completely dodge the question, but I would say don't take too much advice from the first person you hear saying do this and think it will work. It, it needs to be specific your brand, so try everything. I think the free stuff first is amazing. Like you have to get the free stuff right. You never know, and certainly during a pandemic, when you're not going to have the cash to spend. I mean, we were fortunate that we were we were liquid throughout. But you, you know, if if you, if you focus only on paid and then the money runs dry, you've got nothing to fall back on. So free stuff first, I would say. And for me, that's, you know, database building over time. It's a slow process. Um, yeah, SEO, obviously, CRM structure, you know, content underlying. Don't try and go viral every week. It's okay. Just do something useful. Start there and then and then build up to it afterwards. And then, I mean, I, I, I can go on if you want, Chloe. I mean, for me, it's sort of, it's audience-based. Like, you know, you, you, you need to... You need to find where your audience go. You get demo and regional splits. If you're making any sales or getting any traffic at all, you know where they're coming from and you know broadly, you know, sort of what age they are, what sort of location they're in, et cetera, et cetera. So you just sort of think, where do they go first? Where would they be? You know, where, where do you go? And I think YouTube, Google, obviously, but then YouTube, for example, is what the second largest search engine in the world. So again, will it work for you? I don't know. But like, you know, it, it, if you think your customers are on YouTube and you think they're searching for stuff and you can get an advert in front of them, you know, the cost per cost for thousands relatively low still and it's a huge engine goes everywhere so you might pick up some stuff you didn't um, you didn't know you'd, you'd pick up 
and and to to sorry to drill down the question again i'm more i'm operational right and like you know we run we run numbers on this stuff all the time but i think for me it's it's important to work out what your return on investment is across all channels and monitor them closely because your return on investment across every channel will be different and your ROAS or whatever however you measure it but your bottom line impact across you know affiliates compared to i mean seo is harder to gauge but blah 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 you know try and work out what your return is on each <clears throat> what your commitment requirement is to each and then and then bottom line it so sorry that feel, that feels like a really sort of extended answer um yeah i think Mark, for someone who was threatening to dodge the question, you just thoroughly did not dodge the question. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm liking I that. Answer, I'm liking I might have answered that. three different ones, but anyway, that's fine. There was, there was good stuff in there. Uh, okay, the tool top tip. Maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working. Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? Well, I don't know about a cool little tool. The first thing I thought about when you when you said tops, you know, top tool was GA4, but ours is not working yet, so I can't <laughs> tell you. It promises a lot, That's though. I, I, I know you Analytics had a session for, on it recently. It? Yeah. Google Analytics 4. So it promises a lot. GA, the original, was 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 you know out of date a little bit, and I know you had a you had a um, a podcast on this recently. So you know that I think is great. I think Tiny Wales, Tiny Wales, cool. Like you know, free tools. There's loads of stuff on there. So Tiny Wales, not bad. Wapalize is okay. I'm not quite sure what it get for it. Wapalizer is basically just a tech stack thing. So you can look at what other tech stack components people are using. It kind of works. It's sort of interesting. I'm not sure what I get from it, but I, I sort of look at that occasionally. And then answer the public. I don't know. Again, that, that, that's visual search um, insights, which again, I'm not, I'm not convinced. Try it and see if you like it, but it, I, I find it quite cool. You can basically type in a search term and it will show you all of the who, how, why, what's of, of, of Google from that. So yeah. Those, those are the ones I'd say. Oh, nice. I like that. A couple where you can just peek over the wall of someone else's business. It's always yeah. always good for the soul, even if it's it not is. particularly efficient. Um, and uh, and yes, we did. We had an episode about Google Analytics 4 on the Keep Optimizing podcast, if anyone wants to go and find that, where we explain the ins and outs of it all for you. Um, okay. The growth top tip. If you met someone today who is focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1,000, what would be your number one tip for them? To my previous point, which is it's different for everybody, I can tell you what we did. We, we already had the product right because the guys have been working on that for years before we really went digital. So the product was already awesome. Being consistent in terms of brand. So so knowing who you are, knowing what you're trying to achieve, who you're trying to communicate to and 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 not just doing a TikTok video because you think it's you know going to get loads of followers, but trying to be more consistent in terms of how you express your brand and taking feedback from your customers in terms of where they are. So I think the international growth which we had was because we saw that there was demand internationally, both on the wholesale side and the e-com side. So so I think I think that's what we did. You know, variations of that I'm sure would I would would work. I think the the big challenge and, and good luck to everybody who's going to scale their business by ten times. I think the the big thing I'd do as you're about to do it is visualize what your business looks like in at 10 times growth because 10 times the product, 10 times supply chain challenges, distribution challenges, um, your customer care piece completely changes. It, it, everything changes. And I think having a plan as to how you service 10 times growth is as important as how you're going to generate 10 times growth. Yeah, you can very quickly catch a cold if your op side is not ready for what the marketing side is bringing in. 
and all all of it you know just you know times times by 10 the orders you put out okay so it's it's 100 to a thousand how what returns rate do you run at okay by what's your cost of acquisition for for additional costs blah 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 and then and yeah and and again i don't want to make this all operational but the the operational piece is huge because if they're all new customers if you're doing 100 orders a month and the other 900 have never transacted with you before good on you for doing so that's great you want to make sure that the 999th and thousandth customer get a fantastic degree of service for you because then they'll come back and if you grow too fast and not that you should try and grow slowly but if you grow too fast and annoy those customers there's a lot of other people who take their business yeah yeah, fast growth you are not ready for is a massive headache. Yeah. Well, look, Mark, it has been lovely hanging out with you again. Um, before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media, please? So www.needleandthread.com. There's a few international variants, but they'll redirect you to the right one. And then on Instagram, Needle and Thread London, Facebook, Needle and Thread, and anywhere else you can find us, let me know. Excellent. Well, Mark, as I said, it's been lovely catching up with you and uh, getting a, a really nicely opsy angle on what's been going on over the last two years and hearing what's been happening at Needle and Thread Through. So thank you so much for coming back and joining us again on the podcast. Not a problem. It's been a pleasure, Chloe. Thanks a lot for your time. A lovely opsy focused session there from Mark and really interesting to hear from someone who's so senior in such a successful business too about all those different elements you know the the core importance of brand and I think you know it's no surprise that during the traffic top tip he was talking about the free stuff because clearly it's been all the effort that was put in over the previous years that paid off for needle and thread during the pandemic the brand the product quality the SEO etc uh, really delivered for them and the team etc I thought the bit about team and work-life balance was really interesting too so loads loads of good bits in there for you uh, you can get our notes from this episode and the top tips are in there too and links to the things that we mentioned by heading over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast or use our direct episode links so ecmp.info forward slash episode number this one should be number 408 that will take you straight to the correct page on the website. Once you're on the website, make sure you add yourself to our email list so you don't miss out on any of the other things I share to help you improve your business. And if you liked this episode, then you can check out all of our fashion episodes at ecmp.info forward slash fashion. You'll find them all, including our first chat with Mark. Thank you for tuning in to this and every episode of the e-commerce master plan podcast. I bring you a new interview every week because I want to inspire and help e-commerce business owners to succeed and thrive, including becoming more sustainable. If you know someone this show can help, tell them to listen to the e-commerce master plan podcast. I hope you have an excellent week and do not forget to keep optimizing. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast. 
If you're marketing an e-commerce brand, you already know that data changes everything. More data means more power. And if your email or SMS tools can't handle all that data, they're probably holding you back. That's where Klaviyo comes in. Its top-notch personalization and segmentation help you send the right message at the right time, guided by unlimited real-time data from your online store and tech stack. Request a demo at klaviyo.com forward slash masterplan. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash masterplan.